Hi, I'm Dave Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox. You're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of 3D human co-experience. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, I'm joined by Anupam Singh, VP of Engineering for the growth team at Roblox. We'll be talking about our vision for growth engineering on Roblox and the technical challenges we're solving to enhance discovery and engagement for the millions of creators and users on the platform. Anupam, great to have you on the program. Good to see you again, Dave. I remember when we first met what really caught my attention is I shared with you a vision for analytics on Roblox that was what we might say a little out of the box. And I think you immediately went and ran and calculated whether we could do it or not, which I thought was really exciting. You remember that coffee meeting? Yeah, I send you a spreadsheet saying this is data. Sight unseen, I didn't know what our internal data sets looked like. So it's been an awesome journey just getting to know all our data sets. Yeah, and I'll hint to the people listening that we will circle back to that discussion because it was the notion that in 3D human co-experience virtual environments, it's conceivable to generate events every few seconds over the course of 5 billion hours a month. And that's a lot of events. And when people start thinking about querying those and running analytics on those, it creates some mind-blowing complexity for the engineering. Absolutely. Exciting, exciting stuff. Okay. So, hey, let's first off, for probably 10 years now, people talk about, oh, the growth team. And... I think over the last 10 to 15 years, at certain times, there's been almost a magic aura around the growth team. And, oh, our growth team, is that why we're growing? Now, there's a little bit of a subtle difference, I think, at Roblox, because we call it growth engineering. And I I think in every company, there's a bit of a thought and philosophy around how much of our growth is gonna come from strategic innovation and new inventions. And how much of our growth is gonna come from extremely good discipline on A-B testing, iteration, making current systems better. And it's always a mix of that. I think we lean very thoughtfully a little more on the innovation side, but at the same time, it's very important. Can you share maybe high level how we think of growth engineering at Roblox? Yeah, so I come from the open source Hadoop world where to earn any growth, you really had the community asset. The community has to adopt your code. You're not going to market your way through it. And I'm glad that I've continued that journey at Roblox where if we could eke out 1% engagement growth by doing something really hacky, we will not do it. We won't even test it. We have this value that you talk about a lot, which is take the long view. So let's say I can do something really innovative on the platform that will enable creators to grow faster. We will take that path. In the short term, 
I may not be a great growth hacker, which we as a company are very comfortable with. Our engineers don't think about growth hacking. They think about one thing, innovation to enable creators and players to find more engagement, growth will come. Um, so one of the things growth does do at Roblox, and it's gotten better and better over time, is this thing called discovery. And I'm going to give the users what V1 of discovery was at Roblox. And then I'm wondering if you can give them a more thorough understanding because it affects video platforms, it affects Roblox, it affects a lot of platforms. V1 of discovery at Roblox when we launched was one homepage showing which experience on Roblox had the most people in it in real time and showing them from biggest to smallest. And that was called our popular sort. That was discovery V1. That's very different, I think, than today what the industry thinks of discovery. So could you maybe share for the audience what is discovery and what is it on Roblox now? Yeah, whenever I play Roblox, just as a player, the most exciting part is when I'm playing with somebody. And that's what we mean by co-experience. So everything that we do in discovery starts with us being a co-experience platform. How can I get you an experience with your friends or with somebody that you like to play with? And the other part of our platform that may not be apparent is how real-time we are. I walk into an experience with Dave, we go up a mountain, we see a stream and we jump into it. Now, how does that change our discovery algorithms? Our discovery algorithms are very different from discovering a video. Because I have to find, as a Roblox discovery engineer, the best content for you and also the next best action. That's hard. I can't just give you the content to find the next best action. And for a Roblox user, this is the homepage. This is, in addition to what I've recently played, I believe we call it recommended for you or something like that. And this is really interesting because in conjunction with finding the next best action, I sometimes said, Anupam, can you set an objective function to optimize for the enterprise value and size of the community on Roblox in five years? which if we could, those would be wonderful selections. And the bigger Roblox is, the more all of the creators have economic opportunity. But that's a very difficult engineering task, right? To optimize for five years out. Can you share how we try to proxy and come close to that? Yeah, like any other big engineering task, create a personalized system for a billion users that's real time and co-experience. When you say that, you already feel intimidated by it. But like any other open source coder or developer, the idea would be to break it into the first line or the first thing that you can do. The first thing you can do as a user, just find all similar users. So there are users like me. It doesn't mean just age, etc., location. It could be more nuanced. I like basketball games on Roblox find other people who like basketball. So imagine it as the first step in the journey. Second step is to then find every game that is similar or every experience that is similar to users' experiences. But then the most interesting part comes in, which is the activity of your friends. What are your friends doing on the platform? 
we have a really huge responsibility here because a lot of the creators on Roblox have communities. A lot of creators have all kinds of social channels where their users learn about it. But there's a lot of creators also who our discovery page contributes to them getting more recognition. And so it's a huge responsibility to treat all of these creators in an egalitarian fashion and do this mathematically. And I know we've gotten a lot better over time, but I, I do think it would be helpful on a palm for you to confirm with our creators, this has to be 100% fair, no matter how big or small anyone is. We have to be fair and we have to be transparent. So let's touch around fairness first, which is that the algorithm does not have manual intervention. It continues its funnel, the three or four step process that I described. It's a neural network that continuously evaluates new signals. The effect of that is multiple times last year, we have had experiences go from almost zero users to a million users within weeks, sometimes as short as four to five weeks. And one of my favorites is doors in which you go through doors and get killed sometimes because it's a horror genre. But we were able to grow that games community by just discovering people who loved this particular genre, the music, the effect, apart from just that it was a horror genre. So that's interesting. One thing, I guess we don't really have to comment on it because we don't want to release new products, but if you're daring to, I think I've been asking you for a long time, could our real-time system get so good that the homepage would animate in real time. I'm not saying that's the best user interface at all, but do you think we'll get to that level of real-time discovery where we can literally at every second know what we think is the coolest place to go? Yeah, totally. Now, take that event stream, evaluate it in real time. Okay, now more education for our users. Sometimes when people hear about companies in addition to growth, they hear about search and discovery. We've been talking about discovery. Could you maybe for the users to say, hey, next time you hear search and discovery, here's how you can be an expert. This is what search is and this is what discovery is. Yeah, discovery is push. When in some ways you come to roblox.com and you don't really know what to play or you're just looking for your friend, what are they playing and you want to jump in. Search is more of a pull. So in search, you come in and you say, I'm going to explicitly say what I want. Now, a lot of times, of course, our users may not spell correctly, et cetera, but that's the job of the search engine. You know what you want, and we will try to get it to you. So would it be fair to say for our users out there, Google is more like search. Mm -hmm. TikTok is more like discovery. One is you're asking a question, and the other is, is giving you information. Yes, yes. And we need to serve both of those type of use cases. Okay, so now search is really interesting because search has had a long history of getting better and better. For those of you out there used to use the early version of Yahoo, that was search with a human-generated taxonomy and a tree. Google came along with links score, had general search and now we're in the midst of, which is arguably in the last six months or so, people are starting to re-ask what is search as we see ChatGPT and BART and other much more intelligent types of search. 
when we map that onto Roblox, the same thing starts to be possible. And an early example of that is what has contributed, we believe, to some of our acceleration in Japan. Can you give a little hint on what semantic search is and why that may be contributing to growth around the world? Yeah, so semantic search, if you if you want to distill it to one word, it would be, I want to know the intent of the user rather than just translate whatever search string there is. So let's say you come in and type in a very popular movie, any popular movie. Now, we are not a video site and we are not going to re replay that copyrighted information, but we understand the intent. Maybe you are interested in wizards and magic. So that's our first part of search, which is use machine learning. And we are starting to use more and more of these models that you talked about to understand the intent. Part two of that for international users is we've invested heavily in automatic translation. So instead of trying to map that search to whatever English word that it maps to, we actually use semantic search to again understand intent within your geography. So if you're a Japanese user, we are going to give you very different results for the same almost word or phrase. So that makes it very complex because you're talking about really personalized semantic search. I was playing a little stump the search team a few weeks ago in one of our engineering meetings where we're starting to envision what level of complexity semantic and then AI-driven search might support. And there's a lot of classic things on Roblox that it starts to get exciting could be part of that. For example, that original discovery page on Roblox, show me all the experiences ranked by the number of people in them right now. What I just said, I believe someday could be a semantic search. I mean, we would understand that and just generate that. Does that seem possible to you? It goes back to how fundamentally search has changed from understanding content corpus to building a page rank like system, which obviously Google pioneered and built. But now it is all about semantic search and vector databases and machine learning models. So we are adopting that heavily and you'll see more and more of that on our platform. Okay, trivia question. And this, once again, this is no projection of future product, but it's fun to brainstorm. Long-term, when we imagine all of the things we might search for on Roblox, we have people, we have our friends, we have assets, we have clothing in the catalog, we have 3D experiences, we have 3D objects we might want to put in an experience. Mm -hmm. Do you think these all coalesce on Roblox into a universal search bar that is text-based or do they stay separate? They have to come together. It has to be semantic, but these are very artificial walls. I have to understand your intent. It is not about getting you maybe just into an experience. Maybe you are feeling like you want a hat coupled with dancing shoes. Wonderful. Okay, now we're going to jump a little bit from, I would say, search discovery, our little more classic growth things. Mm -hmm. We're going to now start talking about something that for Roblox is a growth thing, but is a very heavy engineering problem, and that is optimizing co-presence with people and friends throughout 
really this 3D experience platform, we use the term internally matchmaking under the covers. Uh, we hope that most people on Roblox don't know about it, but we hope everyone's pleasantly surprised when they go to their experience and their friends are already there. And when you jump from place to place, your friends come with you. So what is matchmaking on Roblox on a Palm? And I'm going to ask you first conceptually, but then I'm going to ask some um, engineering things as well. Yeah, this is the one that I'm always excited about day in, day out. Matchmaking is deceptively simple. Anybody who comes to Roblox, comes into the homepage, selects an experience and says, oh, I want to play. And they press the play button. Behind the scenes, we then try to find the right data center to send you to and the right friends to play with. And that's where it gets interesting. Gets super interesting because as we've grown, I don't know, is this an N squared, N cube or end of the end problem? Because this is really a complex situation when we grow from a hundred to a thousand to a million to 10 million people trying to match make at the same time. Yeah, and remember when you press the play button, the internet has trained us to think that it should be instant. There's something about the play button that makes our users feel that it has to be instant. So it is a N raised to N problem because let's say a million people are already playing this experience and Dave, you click play. I have to then compare with all the million and see which ones would be the best person to play with. But then I also have to figure out which is the best data center. Does it have space for you? How will your latency experience be? A lot of calculations go into that one second that we have before you get dissatisfied that the play button is not working. So we've made tremendous progress on this. A long time ago, if a creator ever had an event at an unexpected scale, we literally could get into situations where the end to the second or end cubed type behavior just essentially caused us a lot of problems. Can you share a little about how now I think it's it's very routine. We can handle one, two million people simultaneously joining and how we've how we figured that out. Yeah, this brings me back to last year. I just joined a couple of months and you were telling me about this opportunity. And I asked you, so Dave, how many people do you think will press play simultaneously? Because as a computer scientist, you want to know. And you said, Anupam, maybe a million. So I went through the data and tried to look for when was the last time this has happened. It had happened once for the Lil Nas X concert. A million people had tried to get into the concert at the same time. And of course, we went into that N, N, N race to N situation and got stuck. We decided to call this the thundering hurdles. And you asked us to build the system as if this just happens. And you raised the stakes, I remember. You said 10 million joins in 10 seconds. And I thought we have time. It'll be years before, you know, this is just Dave's ambitious long view project. You fast forward to last November, December, January. Every weekend, we went from 900,000 to a million to 1.5 million people pressing play at the same time. It's amazing. And, and of course, our system has stayed up. Not only that, we have been able to match you with your friend 
in real time so that you can have a great experience on the platform. Yeah. And just to highlight, thundering herd is a common term in the industry that really applies to these situations where everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. And that's really what we have to engineer systems for. It's really we engineer for thundering herd and then everything else is like we're sitting on vacation on the beach, you know, sipping a cocktail because thundering herds where it really happens. Yeah. And this has become the best recruiting line for us when we go talk to an engineer who's a distributed system computer scientist thinking, oh, Roblox is just press play, get in. Then we describe this system to them. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think someday we're going to see 10 million and then 20 and then 40 million people in certain events around the world, concerts, things that go beyond TV. You mentioned a personal experience about a concert on Roblox with someone in your family, even kind of appreciating the work we've done. Yeah. So funny enough, last June, my pager goes off on the phone because we are having a Thundering Herds event. And before I could log in, my son, who's a 16-year-old, who's a big Roblox user, says, don't worry, Dad, it's just Pet Simulator having an event. And what was amazing was my son had diagnosed the pager before I could even get in. This shows what our community is. And of course, he was pressing play and causing more traffic. <laughs> I didn't take that person. So one of the nice things about Thundering Herds is in addition to Thundering Herd, if you start to fail during the Thundering Herd, it even gets worse because then you get users trying to join every second and you it goes even into a more difficult space. Yeah, our users are demanding and our creators are extremely creative. I was taught in software engineering that you release your software when there is low traffic but we have enabled our creators to create entirely new experiences in real time. And they want all of their users to experience it together. So when we don't satisfy that demand, people press play again. They reload roblox.com. They again come in. And now the million thundering herd becomes 2 million, 3 million really quickly. Thank you, Anupam, for solving that and engineering it. And now we're going to get into two areas of engineering. I think that a long time ago, people looked at Roblox and in addition to all the educational aspects, thought that's going to be a great place for people to learn to code. And sure enough, millions of people learn to code. When we met a few years ago, we knew that data science and analytics was also going to be a place for people to learn on Roblox. And we're going to talk a little about that. And then I'm going to hint the audience without going into it that we do believe ultimately learning how to leverage AI and machine learning, not just for engineers, but for all of us is also going to be part of the future. And so in each of these three areas, we provide a platform that's very accessible where millions of people can code Let's talk about providing a platform where people can do data science. And I want to talk a little about the vision we had on that napkin when we first met. And that is the notion that more and more the creators on Roblox have access to a massive data platform. 
And more and more, in addition to using canned queries, can write their own queries. This is a ridiculously complex problem, right? As you mentioned, so many events, those queries can get so complex. Can you share a little about the magnitude of the data, where we are today on that journey, and we can riff a bit on it? Yeah, billion plus hours of engagement. That's the first number people should remember. Now, let's say you collect data every five seconds or something. Pick your time period. In our case, we get from that billion hours a week, we collect 500 billion events a day. So that's the first big data point. Just so that people don't have to do math when they are listening, that translates to 182 trillion events a year. And then say for the last five years, we have 910 trillion events. So if we don't optimize this, same as thundering hertz, if we don't optimize this, it will just stick there. The, the query will keep running forever. It may never come back. Got it. We should start using Giga Peta exit terminology on our events because I think that's an exa event or something like that. Yes. And okay, now I'm going to put you on the spot. What happens today when the new engineer says, uh, table scan the quadrillion events and what might happen in the future? Yeah, so today, of course, if you do that without any filters or without any predicates, uh, we are going to just refuse to run the query. But what would happen if we ran the query on a palm? Oh, my. In some ways, you can imagine the server is just melting down because what you're doing is you're getting this row, reading it, doing something to it. And so what we have to do, though, is enable that which is odd, right? Same as Thundering Earth, same as search and discovery, we have to enable our developers to do something really, really creative, including going through all the events that we have collected and we are ready to share with them. How do we do it today? We did something very interesting. There's a paper by Google, it's called Learn Indexes. And so we have this very esoteric structure called Bloom Filters. And the trick about keeping this much data is to always filter it out. And so we've implemented some new tech in this area so that Dave can come in, run this query. As long as he has a filter, I'll actually cheat and I'll not run it on an exabyte of data. But from your point of view, I just ran through exabytes of data in seconds. That's really exciting because it really hints at the future where if I'm in high school and I'm learning data science and we have a Roblox server collecting a lot of events, it's conceivable to learn about queries, to see the results of those queries happen on production data for a lot of people that are learning this in addition to our developer community as well. And then my favorite question is how complex could you imagine those queries getting where we still automatically figure it out for you and give you some answer, even if it's been asked by a student? Yeah, I think because querying is becoming simpler for our developers, they will ask more complex questions. Even today, we have 2,000 pipelines. Right now, as we are speaking to each other, there's 2,000 pipelines running on this almost exabyte of data. And that's hundreds of thousands of queries running simultaneously. So it is going to get complex. 
But here's the deal. The world of machine learning is coming to help in this area. So in our case at Roblox, the machine learning platform is there to help run these queries. And we can talk more about that. Okay, that's cool. Now we're going to get into some fun hints at the future. We've talked about search and discovery. We've talked about matchmaking. We've talked about then this analytics platform. And under the fabric of growth engineering, Anupam, you also have a special other project at Roblox, which is really the growth of our machine learning platform. And when we build stuff at Roblox, we tend to build platform so that all of the groups and teams inside Roblox can use this type of platform. We, we've hinted a bit that for a long time, we've been using ML and AI behind the scenes in our trust and safety system. More visible to our audience has been generative materials more visible to people on Roblox has been code generation as well. But it might be fun to just share a few numbers on the different quantity of ML and AI pipelines we're running behind the scenes that most people don't realize we're at that scale already. Yeah, it's been amazing. You've seen this internally six months ago, just a mere six months ago, we had maybe 10 or 20 machine learning models running in production. This could be when you load the homepage, when you do semantic search, like you said, image auto mod for safety. You come to today, there are 70 production models. These are actually things that are being run in production. And you mentioned some of them, material generation, real-time moderation, audio transcription. And so that's, that's the high-level view. The underlying view is, Every one of us knows that these large models are here to stay. And so the next step of our journey is Roblox has many models that we have developed on our own. How do they interact with these large models? Yeah, for people out there listening, this is the incredible opportunity for us, whether it's safety or 3D model generation or avatar generation in that the more we can safely and in a privacy compliant way add signal on these various things, the more we can accelerate existing LLMs, other types of ML models and increase the quality, which I'm extremely excited about. So those signals are good. Can you give any hints, maybe without announcing any future products of other places where it... I mean, it's it's very obvious, right, that someday we'll be generating more and more 3D assets generatively beyond materials. Any other hints you think of exciting areas you think for ML acceleration? I think one area would be just voice. You and I are having this conversation. We also happen to be, let's say, on a video call. And let's say you and I are also walking, right? So now... All of this has to be firstly go through a safety pipeline on maybe you and I are friends and we can talk in a certain way. But if you and I are in a professional setting, we can't talk like friends do. All of this has to happen in real time. So without announcing any future products, being able to figure out that this is a conversation between friends versus this is a professional meeting and 
putting different safety filters, it can be only solved with machine learning. It cannot be done with conventional technology. Yeah, and I think for double bonus points, I'm going to add on additional layers of complexity. One, in addition to that level of moderation, two is language translation. And then three is arguably the notion that ultimately some of us will choose not just to wear avatars, but to wear the avatar persona and change our voice to match the avatar. And that creates this very interesting demo use case where I'm in the US and I want to look and sound like Mickey Mouse and someone else is in Japan and they want to look and sound like Donald Duck and translate in real time. That's a lot of complexity in moderation, voice synthesis and translation at the same time. Do you think such a thing will be able to be achieved at some point? Yeah, I think six months ago, when machine learning was still being used for conventional use cases, I would have said this is difficult, but I think we are moving step functions. Now, also remember the data sets are important here because they're becoming more and more 3D. How to take a 3D uh, object when you change your hat, you change your voice, you change your shoes, how to take all of that and feed it into a training and inference pipeline? I'll just give you one nugget. I always tell my son every time he changes his avatar, he increases the data that I have to store and process. We are processing right now 660 million thumbnails a day, used to be 10 million thumbnails. And all of that gets fed into machine learning models that have to be trained and then used for inference. Well, I think that's actually a good problem to have, isn't it? Because that implies user growth and implies we're doing increasingly awesome things on the platform. So I kind of like it that we have that thing to handle. Yeah. And the fact that people are trying on new clothes all the time. As a parent, I always look at that as an inward, uh, you know, I love music. And so to be able to experience music by changing my persona is, is, is amazing. Well, hey, Anupam, that was a tour de force. I think we covered what is growth. We covered search discovery. We covered thundering herds and matchmaking and then finished, I think, in this super interesting area of data science and AI. It's just been a pleasure hearing about all the amazing engineering work you've been doing at Roblox, and we appreciate you coming on the program. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. And that's all for another episode of Tech Talks. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like to find out more about careers at Roblox, check out roblox.com forward slash careers. I'm your host, Dave Bazuki. See you again next time.